This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. In this series, Jesus is Coming, we're going to celebrate his birth. And today we look at Luke chapter 1. And we look at this lady Mary, the Virgin Mary. And the Roman Catholic Church has made such a big, big deal out of Mary. They call her a co-redemptress with Jesus Christ, that she was physically assumed without sin into heaven and all that stuff. And they made such a big deal out of the Virgin Mary that a lot of people are kind of turned off toward the Virgin Mary. And I think that's very, very sad because... Mary is such a precious, precious young lady and a great, huge biblical example for us. I'll tell you, folks, I want Mary's heart. So I call this message, Believe, Believe All Things Are Possible, because Mary did. We're going to see that in this Word of God this morning. As I look at Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, the Word of God says, In the sixth month, God sent, God the Father in heaven sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married or betrothed to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It emphasizes that she was a virgin. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now listen, Mary was greatly troubled at this greeting, and she wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Mary was troubled and wondered what kind of words this might be. Why? Well, I think I'd be troubled too if an angel came and appeared to me. I'd, I'd, I'd say, Why? And um, this angel probably came in brilliant light. He probably had to be stunning. And he probably, yeah, he was stunning and awe inspiring because verse thir- in verse 30 he says, Fear not. Don't be afraid. And this angel, in brilliant light, tells this young lady, this virgin, unmarried lady, Mary, that she was favored by God, and not only favored by God, the Word of God says she was highly favored, and I kind of see her standing there saying, why me? I mean, who am I? I mean, I am a, I'm a nobody. I mean, who knows I'm alive? I'm an average girl in an out-of-the-way town, in out-of-the-way town Nazareth. I love my mom and dad. I love this guy, Joseph. I mean, what's so special about me that God in heaven, the Father in heaven, should send an angel down to me. And I kind of related to that. I mean, I was into that. I'm thinking about that, and I related to that, because I was just an average kid in Parham, Ohio, like Mary and like you. I was just an average nobody. And then I look at Ephesians chapter 1. Before anything existed, God planned you. Just think about that. Before anything existed, God planned you, and God planned her. Before he created anything, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he planned you with a purpose. 
You got to get a hold of this man. He put he put talents in each one of you. He put drives in each one of you. He put gifts in each one of you. A mix of gifts and talents and personality and drives and passions like no one else has. I mean, every person is cre- created uniquely different. You have a different mix of all that stuff than any person on the face of this earth. Every person is different. And this has to turn you on. I didn't write this. God wrote this. This is Psalm 138. This is verse 8. The Lord will. That's a sovereign will. The Lord will. He will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. So God's using you and me. Nobody's that we are, man. Like Mary, a nobody in ways we don't even know. So that, that means you're not a nobody. I'm not a nobody, I'll tell you. God's working on it. He's got a plan for us. And what a great prayer every day. Now, this is something you, should, you, you need to pray this every day. Psalm 138.8. Lord, fulfill your purpose for me. That's a great way to start a day. Then I go to Luke 131. Back to Luke chapter 1, verse 31. You will, the angel's talking to Mary, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High. Now, I'll I, I get into this again. Too. I mean, here's this girl in this out-of-the-way out village of Nazareth. Who knows she's alive, but her family, a couple of villagers, okay? And this angel from God comes to her and says, you are going to be with child without a man, okay, catch that. And then she's drinking all this in, and you're going to give birth to a son who will be the son. Now get this, I mean, you're married, you're standing there, you're drinking all this in, the son of the most high God. You're probably scratching yourself and you're saying this guy came from outer space, which he probably which he really did. And then Mary says, in response to all this in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And you got to get the meaning here. It doesn't mean, I don't believe you. How can this be? She's saying, how? She's saying, I believe you. I believe this, but how since I'm a virgin? How can this happen without a man involved? And then the angel answers it. He says, um, the angel answered this verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, that's God himself, will overshadow you. That's God the Holy Spirit. He will overshadow you. Now look at this, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Most High will overshadow you. That's a tough word to bring into English. It means that Jesus would receive... His human characteristics. He is God. He is the Son of God in a body. And he would receive his human characteristics, his Jewishness, his ancestry, his Jewish nose, his brown eyes, and all that stuff from Mary. From his father, he gets zilch. He gets zero. From his mother, he gets his human traits from Mary. But no sin. That's what the word overshadow means. Overshadow. The most high will overshadow you means Jesus would receive his human nature, his human characteristics from Mary, but not her sin. That's why verse 35 says, so the holy one, the holy one, the holy one, holy means without sin to be born and you will be called not the son of Mary, not the son of Joseph, but the son of God. He's holy. He's without sin. And that's a very important doctrinal fact, too, because unlike us, Jesus inherited no sin. You and I are born with sin. Jesus Christ inherited nothing from his mother, no sin from his mother, nothing from his dad. And that's why Mary had to be a virgin. Jesus had to be and was absolutely sinless, the only sinless human being who ever lived. And the angel goes on to say, Just to show you, Mary, that God can pull this 
getting pregnant thing without a man, that he can pull this off. Your relative, Auntie Elizabeth, the one they call the barren one, she's in her sixth month. Luke 1.37, mark this. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel says, you got this barren lady up in years, and she's pregnant. And Mary, that means you can get pregnant. God can pull this off and get these words, man, for nothing. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, here's Mary. She's standing there. And this is what I love about this lady. This is what I love about Mary. Not a lady. She's a girl then. And Mary says, not, you're out of your mind. This is all too much for me. She says this in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Man, that's huge. That's huge. See, but Mary's not the focus of our attention. God is. God created us. And the really neat thing here, he is able to bypass that natural system of reproduction that he created. And that's what he does. And he's able to create life. In Mary, he is able to override his own laws of nature. He is able to do something contrary to the natural laws that he established. He's able to interrupt the natural laws that he established and and override those natural laws, and we call that a miracle. The angel in Luke 1.37 called that impossible. Impossible for anybody but God. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And guess what? Mary believed it. She believed it. She didn't question it. And that's why I simply call this message believe. Believe the impossible. And folks, that leaves us with tremendous hope. Does God still do what's impossible today? Does he still do it? I mean, that seems like a ridiculous question. Of course he does. But I also need at the same time to say this. You and me should not need a miracle. And I'm including myself in this. We should not need a miracle to convince us that God is real and personal and that he loves us. Let me say that again. We should not need a miracle to convince us that God's real, that he's personal, and that he loves us, see? I mean, I see God opening doors and closing other doors in my life. I see God directing me, and it's all him. And he wants us to see that, and he wants us to acknowledge that, folks. He wants us to acknowledge it's him. He wants us to see something going on in our life and saying, this is not just coincidence. This is not being in the right place at the right time. It's in the right place at the right time. This is God. This is a God thing. This is a God moment. I see you in this, Lord. I see you real. I see you personal. I see you directing my life. I see you caring about me. And then he wants us to tell other people, man, this is God in my life. Man, that honors him. Look what God did in my life. So do you see God in the daily stuff, giving you what you need, directing you? Do you see God in that little stuff? Or do you need some big deal miracle to let you know God is real? If you need that big deal miracle, then that's a very weak faith. That's a very immature faith. If you need that big deal miracle, it's a very weak faith. Now, that being said, here's what God's word teaches me and us. And folks, I got to tell you, man, this is so precious to me. You don't know how precious this is. If God so chooses, he is able to do a miracle. Now, I got to tell you this. God is sovereign. Sovereign means he has a plan. He has a purpose and nothing will alter or change that purpose. Now, God will still do a miracle if it fits in with his sovereign purpose for your life. And that's a big if. God will still do a miracle. He can do anything if it fits in with the solid purpose, with his uh, sovereign, I'm sorry, sovereign purpose for your life. And that means he can change the pain I go through. He can heal somebody. He can restore a marriage. He can bring a job. He can sell a house. 
He can bring a source of income into your life that you never expected. I believe God changes hearts. He moves people. He orchestrates a million circumstances for one of his children so dear to him. And I believe that's going on in your life and my life every single day. See, our God, the God I believe in, the one true God, has the power to bring about something when all human effort has failed. He can do that. He can do that. I hold on to that, ladies and gentlemen. I cherish that. Never let go of that. Even if he chooses not to, and I've always got to come back to this. You've got, you know, a, a supernatural act of God, contrary to his established laws of nature. A miracle has to fit in with his sovereign plan and purpose for your life. And some people get miracles, and some people don't. It's got to be part of God's sovereign plan for your life. But here is the thing, man, no matter what, he is able. He's able. I mean, you're laying in bed with cancer. God can take it away. He can do it in medical technology. All the medical technology in the world can't. The angel said to Mary, man, get a handle on this. Nothing is impossible with God. Again, I'm not saying he always will, but folks, he is able. We have that for you and me as believers in Christ, if in fact you are a believer in Christ. There are no brick walls. There are no dead ends. There are no hopeless circumstances. We always have hope. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, man, you're on the wrong train you got to get on the right train. The angel said to Mary, verse 31. Let me read this to you again. Verse 31, Luke chapter 1. He said, you, you, will be, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the, the name Jesus, and he's going to be the son of God, the son of the most high God, and all that stuff. The angel said the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, in response to all this overwhelming, overwhelming, this overwhelming message, she said, all right, be it as you say. I am the Lord's servant. Do with me as you will. That just kind of blows me away. That response just kind of blows me away because she couldn't understand this. She just, she couldn't get a handle on this, man. She couldn't understand this. And yet she didn't try and reduce God to something she could figure out. And that, folks, is commandment number two, the Ten Commandments. This is the second commandment. And we break the second commandment all the time. I break it all the time. I, I want to Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. Here's the second commandment. It says, you, you, shall, you shall not make for yourself an idol or a graven image. That is the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or a graven image. And you say, I don't do that, man. I don't go out in the backyard and get stone and build, a, build an image of a god, or I don't take wood and carve the image of a god. I don't build idols. I don't do stuff like that. I don't break the second commandment. Well, the Jews did. They built this golden calf. Remember that story, Exodus 32? They built this golden calf. They reduced God to, to, to what they thought he was. They, they, they get all this gold, and they build this calf, and they mount it on some kind of a stand, and they dance around it, and they say, this is our God. This is our God. See that gold calf right there? That's what he looks like. He's the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. He's the guy who fed us all the man in the desert. He's the guy who brought all the plagues on Egypt. That's our God. He looks just like that. He's a golden calf. And you say, I never did anything like that. Come on. We do it all the time. We create God the way we want him to be or the way we think he is. And we create those idols. I do this? Come on, listen. You've done this. 
know how often I've said, I need to go through this trial because God's working all the bugs out of me. And I got lots of bugs in me, man. I got bugs crawling all over me. And God's got to take me through all this pain to get the bugs out of me. You just made an idol. And you've thought like that. Oh, I need this. And I'm going through this. Oh, I need this, man. I need all this pain. Get me good, God. Work the bugs out of me. You just made a God who's going to whip you into shape. He's going to beat you up until you do it his way or die. And that's not the God of the Bible. You just made a God of no mercy and no pity. And that's not who God is. That's not who he is. Or a lot of folks say, hey, this is too big for God. He's very good at the small stuff. God's really good at all this small diddly stuff, but not the big stuff. You've just reduced God to an image, man. You made a God, you, 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 you made a God that you think he is, but it's not God. That's something you created, man. You've miniaturized God. I mean, he doesn't have the love or the power or the interest to make this happen. How does that jive? And this is truth, man. I didn't write this. With Philippians chapter 3, and this is verse 20. Now, 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 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. God is God the Father in heaven and his son Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit are able to do more than we can possibly even ask or dream or think or imagine according to his power at work within us. What are we doing? We're creating our own God. You see, I don't think we limit God's power as much as we limit his love and his will. We, make, we, we build our golden calves. And when we limit God like that, folks, our lives lack, man. They lack hope. They lack real power. We get anxious. We see dead ends, no way out. And God didn't save you for that, man. God did not save you and me for that. You know, you got to ask yourself, how do you develop a faith like Mary's? And so I asked myself next, I said, how can, we, um, how can we develop a faith like the Virgin Mary's? How does that grow? And I look at, I, I, I look at what, what some people call, I'm back to Luke chapter 1 now, I'm looking at verse 46. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And, and some Bibles call this the Magnificat. The NIV Bible calls it Mary's song. I like that. This is Mary's song. Mary, having learned that she would bear the Messiah. Here's her response. She sang a song. And Mary said, or sang, whatever. This is verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The mighty one has done great things for me. That should be the story of your life in my life. He's done great things for me. So tell yourself a story. Be like Mary. What has God delivered you from? She looked at her nation. Luke 1, 51. He's performed mighty deeds with his right arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble, and he's done all this great stuff in my life. So be like Mary and talk to yourself and, and, and tell yourself, God has delivered me from this. And I look at my own life, man. One mess after another, the mess is gone. The one mess after another, the mess is gone. And that's the story of your life too, man. If you're a believer in Christ, man, that is the story of your life. And you've got a past to build on. I mean, who can say this? The, you were in the biggest mess of your life. You thought you could get to heaven 
just by being good. You thought, hey, you know, not everything I do is good. You know, some of the stuff is bad, but on the scales of justice, the good outweighs the bad, so I'm going to heaven. And, and, and you thought that was how you're going to go to heaven. And then God shook you up, man. He shook you up so good, man, and he reduced you to almost rubble. And you had no place to look but up, and you cried out to him. And you finally discovered you needed him, and you needed him to save you. You needed him. You needed him. And you discovered that all the good in the world that you do could never, never, ever get you into heaven. It's grace. And now today, you love the Lord, you trust in Jesus Christ, and you're going to heaven. And that's your story, man. That is a great story. I mean, you write your own story here, man. You look at what God did in your life. You say, here's the mess. The mess is gone. The Lord led you through stuff to build trust. Do you understand that? It takes me a long time to understand that. God allows me to go through certain things, and he works through them with me, and he gets me out the other end. I'm going through the tunnel, and I come out the end of the other end of the tunnel, and God allows or brings those things into my life to build trust because the next time this thing happens, I should be able to handle this thing with more and more and more and more and more trust. I found guys who have lost jobs and ladies too, and they lose a job. And the more they lose a job and get a job, the more it doesn't shake them up because they've been that road before and they know they have a God who's come through for them before and God's going to come through. And that's what God's trying to accomplish in you. And that's why Mary could say, and that's why we need to say, the mighty one has done great things for me. You build on your past. They're there for a reason. And when you believe and live, nothing is impossible with God. Luke 137. You can see possibilities in your life and in people that other, don't, other people don't see. When you believe Luke 137, nothing is impossible with God. You see possibilities that other people just can't see. Here's Mary. She said, yeah, people are going to look at me twice. They're going to look at me twice, and they're going to say, that girl's not married. She's big, man. She's about to deliver a baby. You know what she said? She said, man, what an honor. What an honor. I get to bear and raise the Son of the Most High God. And she cried out, Luke 149, the Mighty One has done great things for me. Folks, we have a story to tell. We can say, look what God's done for me. This is what I was, and this is where I am. This is, this is what I am now. And look what God's done in my life. Look what I am now. Look where he's taken me. This is where I was. And look where he's taken me now, man. This is all God. You got a story to tell. What a grand purpose he has. Possibilities in every circumstance, man. You got to see possibilities in people. And this is so not like most of the world. I mean, this is so Jesus, man. I'll tell you. We see people not where they are. Or we can see people. That's an option. It's how you choose to see them. You, you can see people not where they are at the moment, but through prayer and patience and encouragement where they can be. And practice that with your kids. Practice that with the people you supervise. Practice that with the people you don't like. They irritate you. You don't want to be around them. Listen, look where they can be. And you start praying for that. And you start being patient with them. And you quit discouraging them. And you start encouraging them. You know how you're going to relate to those people? You know how they're going to change? Because you see possibilities in those people. You see where they can be, not where they are. Man, I'll tell you what. You're going to, you're going to do a great work if you do that. You're going to say with Mary, the, the mighty one has done great things for me. Why not for them? That's in your heart. Just this and we're home. Luke chapter 5. Maybe you know the story. This guy who's paralyzed. He's, he's paralyzed. He's, and he's got a couple of buddies or a few buddies who say, this is not the end of the story. This is not the end. And again, you fill in the blanks in your own life. Would you say, you see a paralyzed guy, story's over, live with it, see you around, pal. Or would you say what these guys say? Let's get them to Jesus. So they make a stretcher. 
They take him to the house where Jesus is. And the house is so jammed they can't get anywhere near the entrance. And so somehow they finagle it. So they get up on the roof, they poke a hole in the roof, they start tearing the tiles back on the roof. And, and bottom line is they, they, they lower this guy down on a stretcher on ropes right in front of Jesus. And Luke 5.20 says, when he, Jesus, saw, when he saw their faith, he sees faith. These guys never gave up. See, they knew what could happen if they could just get him to Jesus. So they tear off half a roof, enough for a stretcher, and let him down right in front of Jesus. Man, possibilities. I covet that. Don't you covet that? Do you understand what could happen in the lives of people in your life if you would just think possibilities? I mean, you say they're nasty. You say they're hostile. You say they're rude. All they care about is themselves. Do you understand even a little how they would change if you just brought them to Jesus? Get them in the atmosphere of the word. Somehow, somehow get them in the atmosphere of faith and allow Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit to begin to do his thing in them and they will change. Do you see what these people could be if you could just bring Christ into their life? Instead of doing that, we're prone to say, oh, they are in a world all unto themselves. They're all they care about. Man, if you could bring them to Jesus, all that would change, but you've got to see possibilities. So here's what we've seen today. The beautiful faith of the Virgin Mary. We've seen that God may not always do a supernatural act and that we need to see God in the dailies of life, the daily, everyday things. And God will do a supernatural act if it fits his purpose. If not, he won't. We've seen that we break the second commandment. We do. We build idols and we, we reduce God to something he isn't. We really do that. And God has no limits. We've seen that um, God has given us a past and he's given us reason to trust him and we should build on all those circumstances of our life and we've seen what it means to see possibilities in everything, in every person and how that blesses our life and how that blesses other people's lives. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.